In the last chapter, at the very end, the family came home and Hamuni was tired, so she went to bed and Lily stuck with trying to figure out how she's going to make rice cakes for the tiger that she's going to meet again in the middle of the night. Everybody's against her. Hamoni's asleep, so she phones up Ricky and asks permission to come to Ricky's house. She gets a goodbye kiss from her mother, and off she goes. It's not hard to convince Mom. As soon as I tell her I want to go to a friend's house, she agrees to drive me over that evening. Anything to get me out of the house. Anything to distract us. After confirming with Ricky's dad, she says, I'm so glad you're connecting with your peers, which is an over-the-top way of saying, I'm glad you have friends, and is also the most mom sentence of all time. As we get closer to Ricky's, the shape of the town starts to change. The houses get bigger and the paint fresher. This side of town seems to expand, like Halmoni's side was a shrunken down, forgotten version. Ricky Everett, Mom murmurs, double-checking the address on her phone. I know his family. You know his dad? I wonder if he was always scary or if he just got that way when he grew up, but I'm not sure how to ask that. Sort of. His dad's a few years younger than me, so we went to high school at the same time, but we weren't really friends. His family owns the paper mill, though, where most of the business in town is, so everyone knew of them. I know it shouldn't matter, but it still takes me a second to adjust. Ricky's rich. I'm not sure how that changes my perception of him, but I feel like it does just a little bit. Our car putters into the long driveway past bushes shaped like rabbits and cats. I've never seen anything like that, and I'm fascinated. They reshape nature just because they wanted to. This is a lot, Mom murmurs, isn't it? I nod, gazing up at the house that is more of a mansion. There are two spiral stone columns framing the front door, and the big windows are covered with dark velvet curtains. If Halmoni's house is a witch at the top of the hill, this house is a stuffy lady who works in a fancy museum and says, Shh! And, Don't touch! And, Step back! I can't picture Ricky in this house at all. Mom parks and then grabs my hand before I can get out. Call me as soon as you're ready to come home. If you're feeling upset or anything, I don't want you to feel guilty for being happy, but I don't want you to feel like you have to be happy either. My throat gets tight, so I just nod. We walk up to the front door and ring the doorbell. Instead of chiming, this doorbell starts playing classical music. I didn't know they could do that, I whispered to Mom. She fights back a smile. I think it's Bach. Ricky's dad answers the door. He's wearing a button-down shirt and khakis, looking very put together for a Friday evening. I just want to stare at my shoes and disappear, because I am grocery store girl. But I force myself to be brave. I look up at him. He smiles. 
He doesn't seem like a bad person, but maybe he's in disguise. You must be Lily. It's nice to officially meet you. I'm Rick. I blink. I know a lot of dads name their sons after themselves, but I still find it strange. Mom nudges me and I clear my throat. Nice to meet you, I say in my extra polite voice. And Joan Koo, he opens the door wider, inviting us in. Long time no see. It's Reeves now, Mom says. She grimaces, smiles, and hunches her shoulders, which is weird for her. Here she seems small. We step inside, and, no surprise, the living room is just as grand as the outside of the house. Its theme seems to be red, because there are red throw pillows on the red couch, red velvet curtains, and a red oriental rug. You have a beautiful home, Mom says, her voice stilted and overly for overly formal. Ricky's dad shrugs, almost embarrassed. My grandparents built the place. I suck in a breath because the house just got way more interesting. The small, the same ones who I remember too late that Ricky wasn't supposed to tell people about the tiger hunting, so I swallow my words. Are Ricky's great grandparents? I finish awkwardly. Now I really want to disappear. He gives me a weird look, but it's not an unkind one. More of the classic kids. What will you do with them? Look that adults seem to love. Mom rubs my back, probably assuming I'm shaken up after what happened at lunch. I guess she's not wrong. Ricky walks into the room wearing a black beanie with cat ears. Lily, come on, he says, gesturing for me to follow. Remember to call me when you're done, Mom says, holding her arm out like she wants to grab onto me and hang on forever. I give her a little wave and leave the parents as they make small talk about how long have you been in town and just move back, looking for work. There's a living room. I want to take in the bigness of the house, but Ricky fast walks through it, leading me out of the living room and past a series of other living rooms. There's a living room with a flat screen TV, a living room with a pool table, a blue living room, and a yellow one. I try to peek into each one, secretly searching for evidence of tiger hunting, but I find nothing except for fancy art and furniture. Sorry about the house, Ricky says. Don't apologize. It's nice, I say, like a museum. He makes a face and I feel bad. I remember what he said about my house and I don't want to offend him. Now, I'm not sure if he was surprised by the strangeness of my home or the coziness of it. Hamoni's house feels safe and warm. Ricky feels like you'll get yelled at for making a mess. Sorry, never mind, I say as he leads me into the kitchen. It's cool that you're getting so into this, he says. Are you going to help with the poster making tomorrow too? I stare at him. What? For the bake sale, he explains. Isn't that why we're making these cakes? Um, I open and close my mouth. I told him I needed to bake something, so of course that's the conclusion he drew. Right, yep, that is, uh, yes. He laughs. You're strange. Oh, 
but not in a bad way. He clears his throat and looks like he's not sure what to say in an interesting way. Thanks, I say, though I'm not sure that's the right response. Sam always says interesting like interesting in a way that clearly means bad. But when Ricky says it, it doesn't seem bad. It seems true. I talk to tigers. I build magical traps. Maybe I am interesting. He throws open a pantry that is bigger than our bathroom. Everything is color-coded and labeled. I'm not really sure what's in here, he says. Our chef uses all this stuff, and I don't spend much time in the kitchen. I try not to show my surprise when he says, our chef. But it's weird. I don't know how to make rice cakes, I say, realizing only now how unprepared I am. Ricky grins. I don't know how to make anything. I Google a recipe on my phone, and we start throwing stuff together. Mochi flour and brown sugar and coconut milk. Only somehow the batter looks wrong. It's too lumpy and too runny at the same time, and it doesn't smell like halmonis. On top of that, Ricky doesn't have adzuki bean paste for the filling, so we improvise with grape jelly, and by the time the rice cakes are ready to go into the oven, they look completely and totally wrong. Which makes me feel completely and totally wrong. And then I get that too hot feeling again, and my throat closes. Up and we have to throw these out. They're bad, I blurt. Ricky frowns, but I want to eat them. I lift the tray and spin around the kitchen, looking for the trash can. Sorry, no, we can't. These have to be perfect, and they aren't perfect. They aren't like Halmoni's, because Halmoni can't make them right now, and I can't. I just can't. Okay, then, Ricky says. He takes the tray out of my hands, slowly, like you might approach a wild animal. I stare at the tray. He stares at me. Are you okay, he asks. Still staring at the tray, I tell him, my halmoni was acting weird. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He's quiet because I think he knows. Sometimes with the hard things, you don't want to talk about it. You just want someone to know it's happening. After a maybe too long silence, he says, My mom never used a recipe when she cooked. It turned out different every time, so we can still try these if you want. Even if things aren't perfect, they can still be good. I take a breath and nod. As the rice cakes bake, he distracts me by naming his top 20 favorite foods, ranked. Vanilla and chocolate pudding each have their own spot, until I blurt, You should study harder for the language arts test. I don't realize how mean that sounds until I see his face fall, but that's not how I meant it, because I know you can pass it, I explain. You seem really smart, and you're going into seventh grade, right? So if you pass it, we'll be in the same grade, and we can be in middle school together. As I say it, it strikes me how much I want that. He looks up. If we were in the same class, we could hang out a lot and build so many tiger traps together. 
well, maybe not tiger traps, but other stuff. He pauses, then asks, with hope sprawled across his face, You really think I seem smart? I nod, embarrassed again. I mean, yeah, you memorized your top 20 favorite foods, and you helped me build the tiger trap, and you were right about the rice cakes being fine. He grins, then tilts his head. Well, let's wait and see about the rice cakes. So we wait and see, and they're different. They aren't Halmonis, but they're still good. Good enough, I hope, for a tiger. I slam my phone alarm off as soon as it beeps me awake, and I slip out of bed, eager to meet with the tiger. I grab the tall, thin jar and the plate of rice cakes from under my bed and pad over to the stairs, but a rustling in the corner of the room stops me. I spin around to see Sam fiddling with something by the window. Did your alarm just go off at 2 a.m., she asks. She didn't say anything to me when I got back from Ricky's. She hasn't really spoken at all since the horrible lunch. No, I lie. Okay, she says before going back to her fiddling. I can tell she's still upset with me, though I don't know why. None of this is my fault. I pause, waiting for her to interrogate me further, but she doesn't. She's too busy with her own thing. I set down the plate and the jar. What are you doing, I ask. She turns away from me. Nothing. There's something weird in her voice, something wobbly and uncertain. I walk over to her, and when I'm close enough, I realize she's tying a rope to her bed frame. And not just any rope, but the rope Ricky and I used on the tiger trap. Where did you get that? I try to tug the rope out of her hands, but she yanks it from my grip. The rope burns my palms, and I rub them against my pajama pants. You left it by my bed, she says. I figured you were done with it. I didn't, Ricky, and I tied the rope around the boxes for the tiger trap. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember seeing the rope when I saw the tiger last night. Just the boxes. Sam shrugs and throws the rope out the window. It pulls taut against the bed frame and I lean out the window. The rope dangles nearly touching the ground. Seriously? What are you doing? I ask. She glares at me. Be quiet. What are you doing? I whisper. Sam shrugs. I'm sneaking out, she says, like, obviously. This house is suffocating. I stare at her. You're running away? Halmoni ran away from Korea. Mom ran away from Halmoni. And now Sam's running away from all of us. Maybe she can't help it. Maybe leaving runs in our genes. Maybe that's our family superpower. No, Lily, of course not. I'll be home before morning. Sam grabs her backpack and hoists herself up so she's sitting on the windowsill, her back to the open air. Watching her makes my stomach twist. If she leaned back, she'd tumble out the window. I feel a tug on my chest now. The tiger is downstairs, I can tell. She's waiting. She's impatient. She's hungry. But I don't want to leave Sam, and I don't want Sam to leave me. Where are you going, I ask. Where are you going, she shoots back. I saw you sneaking downstairs.
we stare at each other, both wanting to know, both neither wanting to give up our secrets. She shakes her head. Let's just agree not to tell mom. I hesitate. Promise you'll be okay? I'll be fine. I'll be back before morning. Her eyes soften. And you too. I extend my pinky, a pinky promise. Long, long ago, a little sister cried. I'm afraid of the dark, she said. So the older sister told her, I will be the moon, I will protect you, and you will never be afraid again. Sam wraps her little finger around mine and we both squeeze. Then she grabs the rope and climbs out of the window, descending into the unknown. And I take the stairs. Long, long ago, a tiger chased two sisters across the world. And just when they reached the end, just as the tiger leapt to swallow them, a magic rope fell from one end of the sky and a magic staircase from the other. In the story, the sisters always climb up to safety. They aren't supposed to climb down. What happens when they climb back to earth, not together but apart, when they realize there are tigers waiting at the bottom? <laughs>